Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Coming up on Monday's show, sports editor and columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra, Sam McEwen, talking all the latest Husker news. From SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell will catch us up on the latest basketball tournament picture and anything else that pops up over the weekend. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. From the 22, second and 10 for the dogs. 32 seconds to go. Bennett to throw. Right angle. One-on-one coverage. And caught, I think. Yeah, touchdown, Mitchell. The play action. Bennett looks down the middle. McConkey's wide open. Touchdown, dogs. Bennett takes the snap and the shotgun. Throws for the corner. Brock Bowers one-on-one. Caught. Touchdown. He ate him alive. Falls down into the end zone. Six more for Georgia. Georgia's relentlessness, and that's a missed PAT. Wow. What is definitely a news flash. Lesney hasn't done that. I don't think he's done it in his life. Just taking shots this morning over in the producer's chair. Shane Schillerberg, everybody, talking about a missed PAT, and I'll tell you why in a moment. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Were you here? At Hale Varsity Club. You can maybe let us know that yesterday because there was a national championship watch party here. So I'd be interested to know how that event went down. Of course, you know, DB and I go to bed at 7 o'clock at night before the game even starts because we have to be up at 5 in the morning. Oh, wait, that is a lie? Yeah. We don't do that? Yeah. Oh, no, we stay up way too late and then wake up tired in the morning to deliver your news. Yeah, the, the whole tired thing. For some reason, Shane, how's my audio? Is it? I'm a little quiet in my headset. Am I on the struggle bus? I don't know. Shane, how, how do we sound? You guys sound pretty good. Oh, you sound like a regular person. But Andrew, it, for some other reason, it's just okay. Say something for me. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I, listen, the, I think sleep's a little overrated. Well, as a dad. It is. It's extremely overrated. A dad, a coach. So many things. Superhero. So, well, whose would I be? What was you the, would be Batman. Well, he's my favorite. No way. Yeah, way. Out of left field. Yeah, Batman is my absolute <laughs> favorite. Are you a Dark Knight guy? Very much so. That first, that opening scene to the first Dark Knight movie may be one of the best of I, all time. I love everything about Batman. A little neurotic. Rich. Pretty, pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, I could take or leave the <laughs> money. I, I've never had a lot of money, so I don't know what I would do with it. I'd pr- I, I know one thing. Batmobile? No, I know two things for sure I would do. I would give a fair amount away, but I would – so I've always wanted to do like a uh, small, like only about four or five acres. No, I'm not farming. Um, I want like, a, I want like a, a boy's home, 
like with my own That's principals cool. and a couple yeah. teachers and like a like a rec center. Like I want my own campus. Right? That's it. Seems like you in a nutshell. So yeah. Oh, like so if that happened, I'm not sure like I, you'd have to come see me cuz I wouldn't <laughs> You wouldn't leave. No, it would be self-contained. Mm-hmm. Right? And I would do a I would do like a little deal with like um and uh, our own grocery store, right? And I would teach guys like the value of money and shopping and and stuff like that. That's what I would do. You have it all planned out. Well, that's the only reason I got into education. So that you could one day start a boys' home? Yeah. Are you going to do it? Like, are you going to follow through? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know anybody that's <laughs> like, you know any grants, any federal <laughs> grants? No, but I, like. You know a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things. Like, I would totally be at my sweet spot. Like, that would be, that would be about it. Just don't run it out of Brookhaven. <sighs> no, because we the neighborhood would be overrun. Hey, by the way, have you noticed that the basketball courts across the street, like, there's always somebody there. Uh-huh. Like, if it gets above 35, somebody's getting buckets in. I'm like, <laughs> it's I'm not I'm shocked that. it ain't your kids. Well, so he eyes it every day, but he's a little, so they go over to the indoor, there's a little indoor facility called the 118 building that my buddy runs. I'd rather play inside too. And so they, like, and he, he'll go over there by himself. Turn the lights on. He'll clean up. Leave it like he left it, because it's four minutes from us. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. But I—that's what I would do. But I was going through all these things last night because yeah, I was just perusing social media early uh, yesterday, and a couple of people that I follow were were having this conversation about, like, by the way, you can give us your thoughts eight 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 six three eight four eight seven six. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we're on 590 and 1480. At least I think we're on 590 this morning. <laughs> um, so I, I say all that to say, like, they were having this conversation about, they were just playing these clips like Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturer. You know story? Oh, God. The manufactured chip. Is it a real chip? Because everybody was talking. It even crept its way into the broadcast. Kirk was a little snarky, right? He's like, well, I don't know. I didn't think you guys were going to, you know, being a playoffs, maybe right. not win it, but like you know, he and he was like, "Come on!" But mm-hmm. it just got me thinking, like, of all the things that folks that get to that level are taught to think to get to that level. I thought maybe Stetson Bennett's perspective was was accurate because for them, they're the defending national champions. They lost all those guys to the draft. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, but people thought they were going to be good." Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but. Bama and Ohio State still had better odds. And I think for them, relative to how Georgia thinks, you're the defending national champ. You think you're going to be pretty good. You see two other people that are perceived better than you or have a better chance to do what they do than you. That would probably make you feel some type of way, whether it's whether we can glean from it or not. But And I just got to thinking that's exactly how I we've been taught to think when you are trying to defend something or you want mm-hmm. something. Right? I, I just remember in ninety five, like anything that was perceived some sort of a slight, it was like, Oh, oh man, nobody believes in us. And like we truly believed that. I went through a couple of hiccups during the season. We hadn't had what one close game. It was Washington State. And we still, like, our meetings were so intense with, like, the players and, you know, did, 
and, and that's not good enough, and they think this, and oh, low, Lord have mercy, when people thought Florida was just a you know, point, point and a half favor, whatever it was, and you know, we heard Corso pick Florida. It was like we went crazy. You know, and it's just like I just think that's how people that get to that point to keep themselves. I mean, what about Kirby Smart that you heard didn't seem like he's constantly on edge? <laughs> hey, hey, Kirby, which, by the way, they asked one of the I, – I cringe every time I hear somebody ask a question pregame to a coach. Hey, mm-hmm. how are you going to win tonight? One more to answer. And Dykes was like, well <laughs> – <laughs> try to play good football, you know. Can't but turn it, the ball over, things yeah, like that. Right. You know what you're going to get out of a out of a coach that is coaching a young, an underdog team. Uh, He's going to say like, you know, we got to be perfect. Yeah, and and Kirby conversely was like, we're going to get after him, we're going to pressure him, we're going to hunt tonight. And he everything he every word was intense. His halftime interview. Well, they're not very good in the third quarter. They're really good in the third quarter. So we're going to tell right, score zero zero. We're going to need to be perfect. We're going to stay on the gas. And I was like, he's. N- you can tell that's how he is. Mm-hmm. It's not. Me- and that was the mentality all season for them. Yeah. Just don't take your foot off the gas. And we kind of wondered sometimes they would go through the motions, had a couple close games. But what did they always typically do? When it mattered, they played their best football. Like they could truly light switch that thing. And the better the competition they played, I mean, we forget what they did to Tennessee when Tennessee was healthy. I mean, they controlled yeah, that game. Yeah, it gets game overlooked. Start to finish. And I laughed, remember, when we were like, God, how is Tennessee ranked ahead of Georgia? Do you remember that? Yeah. Was like, we how, were probably the only two people Tennessee that have been on Georgia. ranked ahead of Georgia when you – but in, in, in Full disclosure, I never liked, as you know, I never liked Tennessee because I thought they were terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. But And they were. Um, Statistically, they absolutely were. But it goes all the way back then how people really – what was that game? Was Georgia favored? In what game? Tennessee-Georgia. I don't think they were. I think they were by seven, right? Was it seven? I think six, they were seven? favored by seven because people were like, hey, I like Tennessee plus six and a half. Or oh, right, right. I, okay, I remember that. So it's like – Going back to the very first college year. football playoff bowl, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. A like, lot of games this year for Georgia, Georgia pretty though, good. We were like, how are, how are you only a four-point four favorite? Right. How are you only a 12-point favorite? Although it did, it did pan out against Ohio State. Remember I told you that number scares mm-hmm. me to death because you look at you it did. on paper, like one team backed in, one team was supposed to be pretty good. And, and that was, was only less, four and a half. Less than a key number. And it came down. Mm-hmm. Hey, it went from six and a half to four and a half. Right. Um, and sure enough, no new hotels in Vegas were built on that night. But that's a complete football team. I'll tell you one other thing. Curious to get your thoughts outside of the story that we had to have hammered down our throat about the, the plight of Stetson Bennett, which is a fantastic story. And unlike Kirk Herbstreit, I don't believe it should be a book. But maybe. It could be a book. It would be very regional, but it could be a book, right? I mean, in the South, it would sell like crazy. He crossed Mason-Dixon line, it may be a wrap. But he made some, he made some throws last night that I think we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, I, I'm a big – Drop some dimes. Big – you know, like I like execution and I like play sequence. And he did that, though, against Bama. I'm, in the, I'm, in the I'm paying attention to line movement and how they move and what motion looks like and how guys are releasing. Because I always look at it how I would defense it or defend it. And – my man is accurate. There had to be sometimes where TC was like, "Really, bro? Like this is what we're on tonight." 
And Stetson Bennett was like, yeah. This is exactly what we're yeah, He had a good amount of time on a lot of those throws, but he was also move, forced though? out of the pocket a lot. And, you know, you can, you can see how comfortable he is not only throwing the football on the run, but tucking and running. How about his fitness? Did you hear the deal where they said he hit 20 miles an hour on the treadmill <laughs> last week? 20 mile an hour on the treadmill. That's moving. That's most neighborhoods. Right. And you feel like you're crawling. <laughs> right. He has, he has a lot of speed. It's, it, and it's like he makes it look so easy. Did he establish himself at all based on his play over the past two seasons as somebody that could be looked at as a top 10 draft pick? In top 10? No. So he's, he's still top outside. Top 10 quarterbacks or top 10, top 10 So in the top 10. We talk about four quarterbacks no, a lot. No, but you, if you Colt, think it's behind Anthony Richardson still? Yeah, if Colt McCoy's still playing, Stetson Bennett can get a job. Stetson Bennett, you think he's going to be an all-time backup like Chase Daniel? Well, I mean, why not? He's a better college quarterback than McDaniel was. McDaniel or Chase Daniel? Chase Daniel. I was going to say McBooger, but then I was thinking <laughs> McFarland, then I was thinking Booger. So right. I just said McDaniel. Hey, but. you know something I thought about too last night because I. I fell into the black hole of Twitter and people talking about, hey, Bama would make this game more competitive. Before you, before you start, because I know, <laughs> I know where your head's going already. Bama would make this game more competitive because Bama destroyed K-State. K-State beat TCU. And you can find this, the steps all the way back um, to knowing that, yes, you know, TCU was a scrappy team. And at some point, there is a stopping point for a scrappy team, and it's when you face a juggernaut that has immense talent like we saw against Georgia. But here's for all the skeptics out there that do not like the college football playoff expansion. You could find an Alabama team that did not have their best year, that did not find their way into the top four and still end up in the national championship game because we are expanding the playoffs. You can also see the TCUs of the world still get there because they could be playing their best football by season's end. I think this is the exact reason why the college football playoff committee said, hey, let's expand. Yeah, I just don't it, – it's you just seldom see, if ever, a, a team with three consecutive upsets in the, in the course of a college football season. You'll get, you'll get a few upsets here or there, especially three, once, you'd once you have, get You'd there. have to do it in three consecutive games, right, mm-hmm. if you want to see a, a— If you want to see, like, an eight win, yeah. So, I, again— But it allows for situations like this to say, hey, maybe the top four teams weren't in it. You know what you're inviting? It's not necessarily more competition. You're inviting more margin for error. Mm-hmm. So, it could be a key no injury. No doubt. It could be a key injury. It could be— it's just simple attrition. It's, it's the more games you play, the more chances you have to have something go wrong. But is, is that it's super, a safety net. Does that supersede what could happen in a winner-take-all, in a one-game winner-take-all scenario? There's lots of times you'll play a game and you're like, man, if they played nine times, yeah, but you don't. Right? So, like, the reason I shake my head about that Twitter black hole is I can't stand that. I can't stand it. And it's, it's because... I mean, this, you're telling people that TCU did not deserve to be there. And 
it sport that's the beauty of sports it doesn't work like that mm-hmm. like i don't even allow it it's aggravating because i don't even allow myself to go there you get one shot at it like that's what makes sports unique and if you're not in a five game series or a seven game series you don't get the whole i remember i made the mistake and i and i probably should, i should i got to own it and i and i would take it back i remember and he's actually a good buddy we got beat by Gretna two years ago. And I said, man, I just get the sense, you know. On, on, and I said it in the same couple of sentences because I knew what I meant. I, I'm just not sure how it landed. It apparently didn't land well to, to Gretna folks. But I said, gosh, I just get the sense. Like if we played that game a couple, of di- a couple of times, we would fare better than we did last night but that's the beauty of the championship because the team and i said this the team that seizes the opportunity real time are the teams that give themselves the best chance to win my buddy called up and his his kids his son plays for good mm-hmm. he's a fantastic player and, and uh he's like look man I, I let's not hear that right and he he was a little he was a little put off because my my partner at the time for a couple of uh, 10 days roughly, had been saying slam dunk, no brainer, you know, West Side. So he was a little gassed up. But I just I'll, I just don't subscribe to the – like I heard it. I tried to nip it in the bud. Somebody tweeted at me a couple of week, a week ago about Ohio State and, and Georgia and Ohio State being the better team and I, on that night. And I was like, you know what? If they were the better team, they wouldn't cough up – they wouldn't get outscored 18-3 mm-hmm. to three in the fourth quarter. Like – Part of being really good teams is knowing when to play well. And I always think that you should reward that. And especially in football because you don't get do-overs. And it's the one sport where the level of physicality and the execute you give yourself every chance in a one-game scenario to go out there and lay it on the line. So every time I hear that, man, my, it makes my skin crawl. It just does. Which part? The, the Bama part or the college football player? Get, getting a mu- part? Both because they're kind of one in the same. But I'm I like c- the margin for error, though, because it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's fine, but we haven't. College football, it, hasn't it's gotten, new. college football hasn't gotten it wrong, though. Every year we think the best team in college football has won the national championship. Mm-hmm. So the the bowl games are for entertainment. I want to see at when you get to that stage. I want to see who the best team is. If I want to be entertained and yeah, just but watch, do you want games, it to be a cakewalk? I can't. It is what it is. Like, but why, see, if why, by like, expanding the playoffs, you'll still get the winner. You'll still get the best team in college football yeah, by games but, end. But, but, but what you ha- may get the best game, maybe. But again, and that's what the, that's what that's why it's built. Yeah, but I don't think that's not why it's built. It's, it's built. It's, it's built to get the best game there. No, it's built for revenue. Well, of course. It's, yeah, you, well, that's, you're doing it for money. That's the number. It has nothing to but do. But it with helps co- with margin for error too. It has in this nothing case. to do with competition. It has nothing to do with competitive balance. It, it the college football playoff expansion has nothing to do with competitive balance. So you don't think that a six seeded Alabama team this year. If they would have went to the national championship and played Georgia, that that game wouldn't have been closer. 
Well, it might have been closer, but it it it, it could have been a lot more competitive than what we saw last night. Then handle your business. I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm like, with you. Like, but there are so many things that happen throughout a season. Like you said, there's a big injury here, or you know, you don't get this guy back until there, and now you finally get them back. You're back together. Your team I, put an, a, a good enough effort together. I just to can't, get I'm just to the playoff. Not into now they can in do contingencies it. when you compete. It's it's. So, and you got to think, well, you don't have to because you, you don't, you're not super aware, but it's just how it, it's just how I've been built, right? So like to talk me into it or out of it would be extremely difficult because I only know one way, right? Your number one, st- listen, we're in a state tournament and, you know, our, Sean Peters, our, our, our horse can't pitch. Hey, who's next up? Chick Gatsmeyer got a bad elbow. Hey, who's next up? Dan Craig, you got the ball. I'm all about the next up mentality. Hey, T. Fraze, you got blood clots. Like, you just – I've never had the opportunity to say, man, if, if we only – listen, we were a prohibitive favorite in, in, at State and went to Rosenblatt and got beat by a team in Burke that played significantly better than we did. We got shut down by a horse on the mound, and I'm like, God, we beat this guy before this year. But you know what? We didn't get it done on the biggest stage, so you tip your cap, and it's like – you know, I'm sure Ralston or somebody could have been saying, man, if we would have. Like, the beautiful thing about sports is you're not afforded that luxury. And I think that's what keeps the competitive edge going. Because when you're trying to get there, and it's like an invite-only party, right? The criteria to get invited to the party is a certain whatever. And you want... You want If you want a better party, have the folks that are on the outside looking in have to kind of be better. Don't come back to the pack just for the sake of having bigger, a, bigger, a bigger, better party. And I think they can be better, though, in regards to you expand the playoff. You allow a team, we'll just, because Miami always starts up top and then falls back. We'll say Miami, for example. You allow a team that, say a Miami would be at eight by season's end. Well, by seeing them there, you're going to get high school recruits, portal guys that say, hey, this team was competing to get to the championship last year. So maybe I I tend to go my commitment that route because I know I could play for that team. And now you're building more teams to get there quicker, maybe faster than you would. Hey, so remember when we were talking playoff expansion three years ago and who was the poster child? Oh, man, what about Cincinnati and UCF? Oh, man, Cincinnati. Where are Cincinnati and UCF now? Just two years removed. Those aren't Without the te- a coach. <laughs> those aren't the teams that, get, that are a couple of portal guys away from competing for national championships. Where are, where are Cincinnati and UCF just two years removed no, from? What a Power 5 school would be. So are you into, you're into auto bids, or how would that work? In rega- auto bids in regards to what? The playoffs. Right, like you like auto, you like auto bids for like if you finish blank, then if you meet certain criteria without being able to win your conference or however you're going to do this, like you know, it's kind of like the NFL. You, you you have a good enough record to make the playoffs, you're in. So oh. like if there's a playoff structure built, like if you have a good enough record in yeah, college, but then but you're it, in. but but in a league that's built on parity with a salary cap, that's different. So to use the NFL. I think is a lousy example. Well, because it was just based strictly on record but, example. So my point in saying the, what the college 
playoff expansion is, and I've thought a ton about this, is without leveling the, the protocol within the conferences in terms of how you get there, for another eight, nine, ten years, you're going to look at the college football playoff odds, and they're going to look a lot alike. You look at 2023, the transfer portal's been around since 2018, right? Early signing period came in 2017. All these things to help competitive balance, freedom of movement, this, that, and the other. Google 2023 playoff odds. They'll look a lot like 2024. And that's not to say, oh, man, DB, you wet blanket. That doesn't mean that my team can't. No, they can. It's going to happen every couple of years. But the structure as it stands today is not built for competitive balance. If you wanted competitive balance, you do the pruning before the invites to the party. You do a lot better screening. You wouldn't just say, oh, hey, we can have – we want to keep the riffraffs out of the party or, or let, let, let's invite fewer or we want more people. Like you, you would screen better during the regular season. I, I, I'm open to it. We take a break and listen. I just, I just don't think how we think a, a, a 12 winning three games in a row is somehow more feasible than TCU winning in a one-time matchup against Georgia. We'll, we'll talk more about it next. We'll also get to Michigan Lantis phone call. Stick around on line one. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio. If you want to get involved in the show, 888-638-4876. More next. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. From the 22, second and 10 for the Dogs. 32 seconds to go. Bennett to throw. Right angle. One-on-one coverage. And caught, I think. Yeah, touchdown, Mitchell. Back with you, Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency Live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. We thank you for joining us. 590 ESPN, 1480 ESPN in Lincoln. Live on YouTube, live on Twitter, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, talking national championship football, and uh, DB had a and I had a good back and forth uh, in the break to continue our conversation. And you know, I agree, DB. I agree that the team, the best team, will win by by time's end. In regards to your competitive balance point of view, it's built for pure entertainment. Now, if that's the discussion. Cool. Because I can't really – I'm not going to debate that. I like watching college but, football, but, but that's not, what the Bulls are but for. But not only is it built for entertainment, it's also built for maybe those unlikely teams that could potentially pull off an upset that adds to the entertainment but then also builds to that underdog story like we got with a TCU in the title game. But by season's end, I'm with you. The best team wins. Like the, In regards to competitive balance, we said from the very beginning that Georgia – What's the best team in college football? We've been saying it for weeks on, weeks on uh, throughout the season. So for, for like the whole, lin- the whole um, transitive property, which anybody that's ever listened to me knows I, I can't stand it in sports, right? If such and such beat such and such, and then they beat <laughs> such and such, and then they. Why didn't Ohio State look better against Michigan? Like why for two years has Michigan just significantly beat you up? But then, lo and behold, TCU finds a way to play Michigan mm-hmm. tough. Why? Because Michigan did some things uncharacteristically that they normally 
don't Especially do, on the defensive side of the ball. That they normally don't do. But see, that's what happens. Now, what's the likelihood, Drew Down, that you would see that happen two days, two weeks in a row? Not very high. Not very high. I'm with you there. Not, not very high. I'm with you. Right? So, and, and what did we see from TCU all year? Opportunistic defense, the key turnovers. Shoot, mm-hmm. they scored twice on right. defense against Michigan. And they played a team last night that didn't make any mistakes. And when you're forced to play fundamentally sound defense, like that tackling, and that was crazy to watch. Right, and they and they had legitimately eight days to prepare. I know the number of times off, but you want to give your guys a little bit of a break too. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, is, would would Michigan play? Would Michigan play like that again if they played TCU? No, nah, but see, on that given night, it just didn't happen. You know, to add to this, our poll question today um, is not really a poll question, more of a poll statement. Michigan would have beaten Georgia, true or false. That's just all I put. Because I saw that poll on Twitter last night, and I'm like, okay, now why are we just like grasping for straws now about trying to make this game more competitive than it, than it is and what we're seeing? And, you know, based on what we last saw from Michigan, there's no way they would have beaten this Georgia team because they were exploited. They were absolutely exploited against TCU. So why would you think that Georgia wouldn't also beat Michigan. Well, you're asking for that more competitive game. It's that, that's what the people at least want. Mm. That may not be what the, the sports fan or, or the player that DB wants, but at least for the general public, that's what and the it, people want. And here in my heart, it's not for me. I'm just giving you why no, I, I, don't, I don't think I, it's a good idea. I love idea. the perspective. I, like, I really I do. Think, listen, college football wants to make money. It is, it is king only to it, – it only takes a backseat. It's Prince to the NFL – um, so, I mean, America loves its football, but I'm, I, I just, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think we did it. We did it backwards for the sake of money. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that's a hill I'm willing to die. Yeah. Up. Well, I, I'll go on that hill with you. I, mean, I it's all do, about money without, it's all about and money. I'm, and it's I'm all not, about and entertainment. And I'm not saying well, it's all about fun. No poop, right? Like it's uh, it is about money. Like I'm, I'm conceding that. I'm saying they had an opportunity to get it right and still make money, right? The conference uniformity. But since these commissioners in their conference operate on an island, it's like I just – it's bad business, I think, to have it both ways. You don't want to control your entities but be able to have all your entities take part. Like that's, that's, that's anarchy. You get to do what you want to do. But at the end, hey, you can still be a part of you can still be a part of my club. Yeah, I just don't know that you want to govern like that. Again, explain. To, go sit down and tell the the, the Pac-12 that all things being equal, they they love the the college football playoff expansion. Because truth be told, you think USC is winning is is winning three games in a row based on how they're built right now. No, not on the not you on. Think, you think Oregon is winning three games in a row? Like what? Like what other mm-hmm. Clemson? Like, like what are we talking about here? But un- the only sure until, example until is you, Bama. Until you can get a bye game in November, uh, take a look at this non-con schedule and have it be validated because you plan. UT what do you think? What do you think Mar- about listen, Utah? 
UT Martin, Ball State, and UAB. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's Georgia's non-con next year. Why do they get to do that? Because they play in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the conference will buoy itself. Yeah, look at Georgia's se- season schedule next year. Look at the bottom of the Not SEC. Not very it's great. Like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Tell that to the Big 12. The, and the Big 12 panicked because ba- it was Baylor and TCU mm-hmm. in the discussion, and they get left out. So they're like, oh, shoot, man. we got to have this revenue-generating conference title game where you're going to cannibalize yourself. If it was Texas or Oklahoma, you wouldn't have had to. You wouldn't have had to decide to play a conference game, a conference championship game. And 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 why are you still playing those? Do you know why? Revenue. So it's like, mm-hmm. and and we just so we just so, we just lap it all up. We just lap it all up. It's like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? 888-638-4876. Michigan Lance on line one here to talk about the national championship. Good morning, man. Good morning. How you doing, fellas? Good. President of the Hardball Fan Club. What's up? <laughs> hey, man. man I, I don't know what's going on there. Captain but. Harbaugh. <laughs> he, he, he for sure tricked off the uh, that semifinal game for sure, though. Oh, man. You, you think Michigan is one of those teams that was like, man, we could have done that. But oh, most definitely. Right. Well, they could have done that to TCU if they weren't trying to be cute. <laughs> and the stupid goal line plays, that, that game was about to get out of hand, but they did that to themselves. And uh, you, I knew Georgia was going to do what they do, um, or what they did. I, I, You know, Stetson Bennett really impressed me this year. Yep, me too. And – but you got to kind of put it in some context, too, don't you? I mean, isn't he the same age as, like, Lamar Jackson? Listen, and I'm just telling you, I, I hear that low-hanging fruit, and tell that to Brandon Whedon. Uh, tell that to, to Zach Wilson. Uh, okay. There are lots and of – And what about uh, – well, hold on a second. And Chris Winkie. But here's the difference between, like, Brandon Whedon and Chris Winkie, right? Those guys didn't start in college and go through six, seven years of college, though. Guess what? Those guys wouldn't have had the resolve that Stetson Bennett did to get sent away well, to come back. I don't know if you heard that narrative last <laughs> night, Lance, but it did. Oh, wasn't always on, rainbows yeah. and butterflies for Stetson Obviously Bennett. Obviously, we heard so, that. So, yeah. so having it's, some that re- tragic story. Yeah, so ha- <laughs> that was so much trauma. So having some resolve matters, too. Right, it's not just. I agree. It's not just because you're X amount of age. Because guess what? Nobody that's having this conversation, with the exception of maybe Drew Down, because he's still in that is still in that world, is is hearkening to go back to 25. It's not like it, you and I look at 25 and we're like, oh man, all that wisdom and poise we had. And sure, well, is it relative to the 21 year old? Absolutely, but that's no lock stock gimme. Okay, what about this? I, I hear what you're saying. Now understand what I'm saying. What if Damon Benny got to play in 97 and 98? Because the Damon Benny in 96 wasn't the same Damon Benny in 94 and 95 as a player. It's valid. And maturity mentality. Valid. That's you know what I'm saying? So that's, see, that's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. He got, he got to go through six, seven years of college and mature within – that sport and that school and get better, and this is where we're at. 
this is where he's at. That see, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not the stop and go or hey, he's the most mature guy ever. I'm just saying he got to mature within Georgia, within college football, and in the last two years, you th- he's not Damon. When you your senior year, you were probably still taking full time classes. Yeah, my man, the last two years oh, yeah. is probably taking one class a, a semester. You know, with injuries that's a lot and, of fo- and things like that's that. That's a lot I can't of time to work on football. Actually, made a solid point. <laughs> we'll talk more next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. A college football heavy morning here on Hale Varsity Radio. It's coffee and cream in the morning. The only way to start your morning live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We got into national championship talk already a little bit um, down the alley of the college football playoff expansion. And uh, we have a lot more to get to, including a new signee for the Huskers that improved their one portion of the offensive room. We'll talk a little bit about Nebraska and Illinois tonight. Um, And then we'll speak with Matt Brown, senior editor of NCAA football for The Athletic. And we'll end the show like we tend to always do now on a Tuesday with Joel Lorenzi. But uh, for now, I want to get into this because I was reading a lot about the current coaching staff in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule, Marcus Satterfield, Tony White, they never seem to have a day off. And, you know, at some point, they're going to be in a bowl game. At some point, they could be competing for a national championship. From your lips to God's ears. And it, it, takes, it takes me into deep thought, and we were conversing back and forth about this, of how stretched thin can you be as a coach? Because it seems, because they never have a day off, whether they're in uh, bowl contention or not, something has to, like, you have to do away with something in regards I to college football. completely agree. Uh, I completely agree. Like how Kirby uh, Smart and the rest of his staff, uh, they've been preparing for this game in particular. Especially in the month of December, right? Just because of the early signing period, you've got all the portal movement before it opens and closes. Um, you've got bowl preparation. And if when it goes to 12, you'll have that many more teams, and they'll be the teams at the top, right, that, that will be focused on – Playoff preparation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just the, – the, see, the – Early signing period's weird. It, it's, it's nice, but it's weird because you have a lot of teams that are more focused on them right now opposed to them for the future. So, in, so interestingly enough, and I have to go back and – gosh, it was only five years ago? 17? Was there when – Shane, when the early signing period started, 2017? Yes. I'm asking Shane, right? Shane, um, Shane, did you see how he looked at you two? Like, don't ask me. Yeah, I don't. Not me. Yeah, Shane's like, I, I don't know. I was just teasing. Sorry, I wasn't paying any attention. But wasn't that ori- wasn't its intent originally to take the recruiting pressure off of the prospective athletes? Correct. I, I could be misremembering because mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a thing. 888-638-4876, or hit me on Twitter. Am I getting that wrong? That was the original intent. 
even if it, even if it wasn't the original intent, that makes sense. So if if that's if that's the case, plus you now have open portal shuffling with that period being open in December. It seems to me that would be more stressful for the the high school student or the junior college student because rosters are in flux. Mm-hmm. I you could probably make a more well-informed or a better decision if you knew given some time. Right. Right? Like if I'm Zane Flores, right? And Spencer Sanders decides in December that he's leaving, I'm sure that changes Oklahoma State's plans too. Right. Because, you, oh, are we going to buy right do into you go, do a true freshman? Yeah, do you go back to Zane and say, hey, we're bringing in another quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, you know what I mean? So if, if its original intent was to alleviate some recruiting pressure from prospective high school uh, – Student athletes. An argument can be made that it that adds it, more. That it's it's added. It's it's now become more convoluted. So that's one thing. The 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 movement in which players can come and go in the month of December is too much mm-hmm. to manage because you have to recruit your own team still, and you're going to have twelve more teams getting ready for. What you think is going to be highly competitive <laughs> playoff football, and it, and it, I hope I hope you're surprised because if you're not surprised, it's going to be a problem moving forward. Yeah, I I just think I don't know if it's the same thing or not, but I I, I think and I don't mean a problem between me and you. I mean for college football, if it's not competitive, it's going to be an issue because so, people will start addressing. The lack of competitiveness. Yeah, I, do, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you do. Um, I, I don't know, like what you move. I guess I would probably feel better. Like I do know. Like there's two guys on Nebraska staff um, that have suggested that have some ideas with what to do with the transfer portal. I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition, but I I think they would like to see. If you're going to treat it like free agency, I think they would like to see two separate periods, right? Mm-hmm. One for underclassmen and one for grad transfers. Now, when those times would be, they hadn't – well, he in particular – Well, when, when can you fit that in to the college football schedule as it is now? I, I for sure think you have to have movement, the ability to move after spring. Right, like, right. I want. I want. Uh, you I, see your guys. You see it. You see how it's you're like, oh, meshing. What's you're working, like, oh, what's shoot, not. This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what you do with December. Right, I like that. That December's just jam packed, and and it's almost like they they want college football to be on the tip of your tongue in every conversation. And that that's fine because it has moved. You're talking about bowl games. Listen, it has moved into college football is at least. A 10-month season now, at least, depending on how you view June and July. Because with the portal being open post-spring, you get April and May. (laughs) You're already getting it for eight months from August to March, however many months that is, six. So it's like, what if you broke up the early signing period? 
What if you broke it up and, and you shortened it for both? So you did it for underclassmen and grad transfers. That was kind of that was kind of his his thought process. But I mean, when you're talking about a guy that or a couple that have pro experience they're not panicking from managing the portal because they do kind of look at it like free agency. Mm-hmm. And I think they feel good because they have so many connections from... And they don't want to be on a time crunch to... So I think they, they look at it as kind of an advantage in, in the portal, but something would have to change in, in December, I would think. Because at what point do you compromise the product? Because remember, I, and I guess, and I'm only, and I'm just thinking out loud. Um, We're always think, thinking out loud. Ed Sheeran style. <laughs> I wish I was that kind of crooner. Um, I probably wouldn't be sitting next to you. Um, so you'd also be a ginger. Um, I think it's more stressful for the student athlete, and I'm not listening. I. I Cue the oh, cry me a river. You get free gear now. You get nil money. What I'm saying is, is the design in which the original premise in which you put the rules in place are now becoming counterproductive because there's a lot going on. That's what I'm saying. So if the original premise was, hey, we want to lighten the burden, we want to make it equal for players to move because coaches can come and go, and sometimes you need a mulligan. Because you make the wrong school choice, we're going to open this up to you. All that's fine, but it just seems convoluted now. You think you're going to lay it all in on, like, wrong choice? Like, that kind of set uneasy with me when you said, hey, because you made the wrong choice, you can't, you can't find yeah, your yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Yo, Drew Down, how else do you explain a guy committing to a coach unseen because he's Deion Sanders? Well, th- that great. that's a good example. I meant more from like the case of, hey, I was bought in, this was for me, and then you know, I didn't really get the playing time I wanted, so I'm going to go somewhere well, sometimes else. Well, sometimes that happens. Right. Some, sometimes that happens, but... In regards to your Deion Sanders example, yes, 100%. Well, that's not... That's, listen, there are a lot of guys that get recruited to fall in love with the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Like, so... But things change, too, when you get there. Absolutely. Which is really what I'm speaking to. When I talk about the wrong choice, listen, I've made the wrong job choice and felt like I was pretty informed. There are just things that I didn't know mm-hmm. once I got there. I mean, that happens, right? And I, was, I wasn't really yeah. a grown-up yet. I was still pretty immature. But like that ki- those kinds of things. So you, you can make the mm-hmm. wrong choice. I think part of that is being able to say, hey, listen, you know what? Just the honesty. This, this, wasn't a, this isn't a good fit for me. I, I can't function in this environment. I think it would be in my best interest to do something else. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have any problems with that. Shoot, adults do it every day. Every day they change jobs. So, like, I get that. And they're supposed to be more experienced and more savvy than you are between 18 and... And, and that's what I was referring to. We're, we're talking about 18, 19-year-olds most of the time. That, yeah, you get caught you up. Know, you get caught up in the moment you're leaving high school you're on a high because in front of your friends and family you you're going pictures, to play at the big you, school you get, you get, get to, to jump yeah. over sports cars you get to mm-hmm. take pictures in you know thrones it's a maturity uh, thing but i think you, that's, you get to that's go to on-campus parties it's I helpful mean, like for the most part the early signing period is for guys like that that you know matured in a year that you know maybe did some 
mental reflecting of hey or or guys I grew up and I grew up five years in about the span of one or guys that are graduating early right and want to be on campus right Right. I don't want to forget about those guys either because that matters I think does that matter I think so I need to look at some statistics (laughs) as of late about early enrollees participating in spring ball and and how much that does help Lots more to get to. You you could be 30 like Casey Thompson, miss spring, and have to watch another quarterback or quarterbacks play and then fit right in. Lots more to get to, including Illinois-Nebraska basketball tonight. More on Coffee and Cream next. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Touchdown! He ate him alive! into the end zone. Six more for Georgia. Georgia's relentlessness, and that's a missed PAT. Wow, that is definitely a news flash. Lesney hasn't done that. I don't think he's done it in his life. This dude just rubbing it in. Oh, that, that rubbing it in. That was the funniest thing all night. I mean, to be honest. So, for those that remember, we highlighted our picks. I printed out the entire bowl schedule. We highlighted who we thought would win straight up. DB ended with 26 out of the 42. Shaner and I both ended with 21 out of 42. And both had Georgia in the national championship game and winning. (laughs) You're so mad. (laughs) So, to tie break, we picked the total score. And Shaner, like he does on the regular, enjoys the stall tactic. Playing dumb. Playing dumb. Made me go first. I was getting frustrated because he wasn't going. I had my number written down. I said my number out loud shouldn't have done that because Shane followed up by taking one number below me. I'll I'll let you finish. Roughly, because remember, Jacob Padilla walked in. How long after you said 73 did it take Shane to give an answer? Jacob gave us his before Shane. At least five minutes. At least. Right? At least five minutes. Um, well, I don't really know football. You, you, you put me on the spot. Uh, this is unfair. What do you mean? I had to change my tire. So um, when you say total, do you mean? Like he asked all these mm-hmm. questions, right? Relentlessness, and that's a missed PAT. So I said. Wow. <laughs> this is definitely a news flash. Lesney hasn't done that. I don't think he's done it in his life. So I said the final would be a grand total of 73 points. So that's a missed PAT. And Shane, because he's Shane, chose 72, tried to price his right me, even though it, he technically would not have won on the price is right because you can't oh, go on, above the total. However, he gets it right on the nose and would get the $500 or $1,000 that would come and then join Drew Carey on the stage. But for me, I had to watch a kicker, <laughs> a Georgia kicker. Was the ba- was this the backup kicker? No. Like it, it was it was the that's, regular that's, guy. Because right. I didn't know. I mean, we we were up sixty five to seven at this did point. You not, I, did you not hear the? Did you not hear? Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't pay attention other Shane, than miss PAT. What did what did Fowler say? He doesn't. Relentlessness, th- and that's a miss PAT. I don't think he's ever what Shane. What was the end of that? Relentlessness, and that's a miss PAT. Wow, that is definitely a news flash. <laughs> okay, there it is. That. I don't think he's done it in his life. Oh, oh, oh good. Oh, good. All right. So 
I picked 73. Shane picked 72. Um, that PAT would have put it exactly at 73. And no joke. And I did it to myself. Right now, you're gonna you're gonna be all right. I did. I, you're gonna get the worst <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> you must be mad. You're mad. You're mad. You can hear him. He's not even on headset, and you can hear him. <laughs> I just think the group text was hilarious. So, so I, I had preloaded. I like my eggs over easy. Yeah. <laughs> you already were going to hit 10. I was right about to hit 10, and then I saw him shank it left like the Ohio State kicker. And this is what I texted both DB and Shane last night. Let's pull up. Let's pull up the text, Shane. If this game ends at 72 because of that mi- missed PAT, I'm going to lose my mind. And, Eight and minutes left in the game. Read Shane, almost nine. Read Shane's response. That won't happen from Shane. <laughs> I don't know. That didn't, I didn't respond to it because I knew it would happen. I was laughing my head off. And then to, to just rub salt in the wound. Sorry, I am. I'm so sorry. Instead of Shane just like letting it happen, he goes back after the game ends and laughs at my message. (laughs) That's like the guys and gals that sit in the cut on Twitter and (laughs) they'll like pull something up. That's why I went ahead and apologized about my Mike Tomlin reference because like in week seven, I was having this discussion on social media with some people. and I'm like, winning is really, really hard, like consistency. Because somebody had just used Nick Saban as a reference as a coach that failed in the NFL. And I was like, and I asked Shanley because he was on the thread. I go, why do we keep using Saban as a reference in the NFL as a failed coach? Like, he's two games over 500. (laughs) Do you know how hard that is? I said, there's only one guy that's on that kind of run, and that's going to end this year, and that's Mike Tomlin. That's what I said. I some it was about that right. on Twitter it, after week seven, and all he does is go get to nine and eight. So I automatically apologize so I wouldn't make freezing cold takes. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So uh, long story short, I'm buying breakfast. So that's a miss PAT. I I wish I could end him. <laughs> He's tough. <laughs> Uh, so what, what, what are we having? What are we, what are we eating for breakfast? I don't. Know. I just want meat. I I, I don't care. <laughs> you just want meat. Yeah. So can I pick? Since you like yeah. over easy, mm-hmm. I think you just hit over easy. Okay. 168th and Q on a side because they have some some of. Are they open early in the morning? Yeah. And like, they have and they have drive through. Okay. Um, I want a side of their sausage patties. Hold on, hold on. Let me take down your order because I like you. Yeah, side of, side of sausage patties. And Shane, a, you get whatever I bring you. And a side of bacon. Lesney hasn't done that. I don't think he's done it in his life. Side of sausage patties. Well, I get up to 13 bucks, right? Because that was the cap. <laughs> sure. Two sides of bacon, one side of sausage patties. Two sides of bacon, one side. Yep. Okay, and what did you want? Like, what, what's the main course? I don't. That's it? Yeah. You just want two sides of bacon. Yes. And one sausage patty. Yeah, a side of sausage. Yeah. Trust me. So, like, you just want, like, a bucket of bacon, essentially. Yeah. Have you not and seen a patty. me eat before? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just double-checking. No, that, yeah, that's, that'll work. Shane, uh, you get whatever I bring you. Okay. I don't like for eggs to travel. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. This yeah, is the best day of my life. He's killing you. 
I just it's my favorite movie because we saw so many things this college football season. Like, what are the odds? Backdoor covers, ridiculous covers, crazy plays, comebacks, exciting games, all to have it come down to that dud of a national championship game, except for the point total. Relentlessness. I still think. So I asked all our recruiting guys. I don't know if they're up yet. But this was my question to the recruiting guys because I think um, I think it matters a little bit before we have this arc, this if we're going to solve all the world's problems because I don't want to be disingenuous, right? So I asked our recruiting guys, was the original intent of the early signing period to alleviate the pressure from the, from the high school recruits? Was, do you think that was the original intent? Because once I know the answer to that question, you I think, can we, form your opinion I think we can probably mm-hmm. figure out what yeah. to do with the month of December. Because now, it, it, now you're starting to hear like college coaches. Remember once upon a time when people thought it was easier to coach in the NFL or in college than it was in the NFL? Yeah. Is that not changed? You know who a great authority on that is? coach rule in terms of calendar now he pretty much works the same but I'll be curious if he shares his thoughts and he probably won't get into like the hours but college football has got to be much more year-round than the NFL Hundred percent. Okay. I am completely there with you because it, it, it's interesting to look at those perspectives and think, wow, why wouldn't you say it's harder to coach at the NFL level? It's obvious because you're dealing with men, and how do you coach men at this point? And already a lot of those it. guys are under it's, contract. Right, and it's easier to – to mold somebody that's 18 years old to make them look a certain way for your team. I but don't know in, about re- that. But in, in regards to calendar year, as you said, it is much more demanding than it is in the NFL. In college, I'm saying. Yeah, would you rather try to coach me at 18 or Cam Akers at 23? Well, Cam Akers may not be a good example uh, well, if you I, ask the Rams because not sure what Cam Akers is doing. Pick a different running back. You, Josh Jacobs. You would think it's easier to coach a guy like him because you know his well, strength. And those guys are professionals. Right. And he's already elevated his game to get there. Right. So in college, when I say you have to mold them, you have to really get them to mature to be college-level athletes. And then if they want to play at the next level, you have to have them take that next step. I think college coaching is significantly more hours. I would agree. I really do. People look at college and think, oh, you have the summers off, and oh, you're not doing anything yeah, from when, when what those, is it, January 15th. Hey, how about until how we thumb our nose game? up at the coaches now for like not doing any summer camps? Hey, are you hosting any camps? Like, when are you going to get guys on your campus? And it's like, wait a minute, I only get my two and a half weeks in July to go on vacation? <laughs> There's, there are a lot of coaches that go to high schools in the wintertime. To watch basketball games, to look for more versatile athletes, or watch a guy they recruited. They're always sparking those relationships. Always. I just think it's a lot harder to always convince people that are on your campus to stay than it is in the NFL. Like, that's 20% of coaching now. Is, Is not begging, but 
basically putting on display why people should stay in the fray, which is why I liked behind the scenes. I got into this a long time ago. What I like what what Trev was doing with the athletic department and the construction of the the new complex and being diverse in their practices and business practices and kind of being other centered because the more that you can make your department and your facility like home, the less apt athletes are to want to leave because there's something about security and comfort, right? Just Maslow's hierarchy. If you're in education where if those basic needs are met, I think student athletes can hang in there a lot more. So I like trying to build from within to work your way out to limit the variables. 888-638-4876. If you'd like to be involved on the show, on line one, we've got Brian. Oh, now he's gone. You just lost me? <laughs> he dropped out. We just had, I was just there, and then, and then he popped out. But we'll, we'll change gears at this point then and uh, talk. I wonder, we could have got his comments on the, the Cowboys and the Commanders, mm-hmm. or the Foreskins, as he once called them. Maybe, maybe he'll call back. Yeah, he's not a Washington fan. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> what what told you that? Well, I don't know any, but aren't the who's like Dallas's like arch rival? Yeah, the Eagles. Remember probably? Mara's comment about the Giants getting to to play the Cowboys, and I think he kind of started that little vitriol. I don't know. Yeah, I know. For me, it's easy. It's Browns. The Browns. Well, mine's the Packers. Yeah, as a Bears guy? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the social media post about the Lions hanging the banners? About keeping the – it said kept the, pack, kept the rival Packers out of the playoffs 2023. Yeah, hang it up at Ford. <laughs> so I'm all for it. I, I just – I love the level of professionalism that some of those teams showed, and like the Commanders, like the Texans, like the Lions, because it would have been – especially in that sport where you're accused of kind of not always it having it be about the money. It's good to see those guys lay it on the line. Hey, when looking at the game tonight, Nebraska-Illinois men's basketball, we already talked yesterday, 8 p.m. tip-off, kind of a late one yeah. over at Pinnacle Bank. It's the first home game of 2023, um, and uh, it, it's a good one because you get an Illinois team that's coming off of a, a very solid win against ranked Wisconsin, and you're also getting a, a Nebraska team that comes back home after that overtime victory against Minnesota. So both teams bounce back after losses. Both teams are actually 4-4 four and four in their last eight games. What I'm having trouble gauging in this one, though, is I still can't figure out who Illinois is I know. I, I agree with you. I, I just I'm not there yet because I, I watch Brad Underwood and, and I'm a big body language guy when it comes to coaching and he's somebody that seems to be hard to play for when he's out there. Mm. He's always yelling, he's always screaming in your face. When he gets to the podium, he's saying things about certain players, calling them out. And then I'm thinking like, how do you hold the locker room? Like how do you really regain respect from your guys after doing this? Or is that a, a, something that those players embrace, getting called out so it shows a form of respect in that light? I'm not too sure. I don't know how I playing for a guy like Brad Underwood. It can't be easy uh, for, for one. But Illinois this year is so hard to gauge. You have Terrence Shannon Jr., who is 
it, probably the easiest player to dissect on that team. Yeah, he's a you know he's going to score. You know he can get twos. He can shoot the three. He, they also love to work in transition. They're a very fast team, but they're young. Mm-hmm. They're new. They replaced all five starters and six of their top scorers from last season. We're near, what, are we close to halfway through uh, the college basketball season? We're getting there. We're inching closer to the halfway point. Isn't it crazy that when you look at a team in the Big Ten of the stature of Illinois and you can't really figure out who they are yet? Yeah, it's just one of those teams. But I think a lot of it is what you led with, and I think it's Coach Underwood because I think he's hard to figure out. Right? We've seen some unceremonious um, L's, especially come tournament time. And, you know, the the fan base kind of bow their necks a little bit and, down on Coach Underwood, and we've seen some of the in-game stuff in terms of decisions late from Coach Underwood. So I think that's on that's on the frontal lobe, right? In terms of how we think about Illinois, and they're playing a lot like the their perceived the the temperament, the perception of their coach, right? So I I, I think that that's that that's part of it, and then you mix in what you talked about with all the new faces and. You know, there's some things you can pencil in. Coleman Hawkins is going to get after the glass. Shannon's going to get buckets. You know, Mayer can shoot it. And Hawkins has been shooting the three well, too. Yeah, I think he's he's mid-30s in terms of his knockdown percentage. So, I mean, he's uh, they're capable. And we watched him. I mean, they can control that second half really against um, Wisconsin and one I felt like they had to have early on. This is a real capable and real dangerous bunch. Uh, the the key for me, there's two, obviously. Number one, you got to take good care of the basketball. That starts with Sam Greasel uh, making good decisions and because he can control tempo, right? He almost never gets sped up. So they, they controlling the tempo will be uh, something he did a very good job at when playing Creighton. And – the other thing is obviously you have to play through D-D- you have to play through Derek Walker. That's kind of how their offense runs. Like well, you have to make sure that he gets anywhere from fifteen to twenty five. So points. the CJ Wilchers of the world that only got the three shot attempts last game, Vandemel, who didn't really shoot it well, has not really um, kind of having that offensive prowess sometimes that I think that he's accustomed to playing with. You have to stay in that rhythm. It can be makeup from what they didn't do the last game because Bannamel was fantastic. Uh, and he'll and every other, cut out and every other defensively. Oh, yeah. He's, he always guards the mm-hmm. best. But he's. I, I look forward to that matchup. I mean, that's, that's going to be fantastic because Shannon is a bucket getter. And he'll shoot some shots where you're going to scratch your head. He's, he's one of those, not as bad as a guy like Caleb Love or somebody, but uh, he's not even Baylor Shireman for that from that mm-hmm. aspect, but he is a no-no yes guy, right, if you're mm-hmm. if you're part of that fi- fighting Illini fan base. But I, I think Nebraska's definitely got to play this game closer to the 60s to give themselves the best chance and, to win. And I think they can because you look at Illinois and they are elite when they are playing inside the arc. Mm-hmm. When it comes to scoring, at least, they're shooting over 50% on two-pointers as a team right now. And their three-point shooting rate is, what, second in the Big Ten, something like that. I, I believe I read that in Jacob Padilla's article, and you can check that out at HaleVarsity.com. Yeah, if you want numbers, Padilla's obviously the yeah, guy. He, he's, a good, he's a good follow there. But I, what I was getting at here is Nebraska, and I talked about it after the game 
uh, or when that Minnesota game the day that followed. They do such a good job filling the back door, right? It, w- when they are in man defense, it, it's almost like they're in zone at the same time because they play help side so well, and when the ball goes inside, you get an instant double. You're forcing the team to then may- maybe try to do a cross-court pass and, and get it to somebody else that they you may see not them try be. try to ice a lot of ball screens, yeah, too. Exactly. They want the ball on one like, side. More comfortable, and... They they work so quickly defensively that I think they can shut down the inside game to keep it at that sixty what's, point mark. What's the number? Do you think that this this is has this has all the makings of like a a sixty four fifty nine game? So I was gonna say close. I was gonna say sixty nine sixty four, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Sixty nine sixty six. What's the line? Looking Nebraska. I'll be curious to see what the total is. Should have had it pulled up before That's all right. 8 yeah, o'clock. It's, it's, it'd be towards the bottom because it's a later tip. Right. But, um, I'm going to guess 5. I'm going to guess 5 and 134. Close. 3 and 137. 3? Mm-hmm. God, just a bucket? Is that a 3 at the buzzer? I, I thought it was 5, which is why I said 69-64. What was the total again? 137. What's 69 and 64? 133. Uh, will somebody get to 70? Apparently. <laughs> Unless it's, you know, 69-68, which is, would be the 137. So well, somebody's got to get to 70. I'm glad that the total is down, though, because I think that game has to stay in the 60s. Because I just don't see Nebraska touching 70. That, that's a pretty average total for the night. I mean, some are creeping into the 140s, but for the most part, 138 and 137 is what's resting tonight in college basketball. Conference games. Tons of them. That's, that's kind of how it goes. Hey, by the way, do you have any idea what happens with SWAC games in the start times last night? No. <laughs> I don't. So, like, you know, periodically I, you go back and you, I was just – Checking college basketball mm-hmm. scores because I want to see what happened with Oral Roberts. I'm obviously not watching that game, but um, just because Summit, Summit League, right? Yeah. And they're playing in Mexico, and the game, the start times kept moving back. One was like at 5:30, then it got moved to seven, and I'm like, how are they just changing the times unless they were typos? Then I saw. Somebody on Twitter, I think it was G-Unit. It might have been Greg Peterson. Didn't we used to talk to Greg, Shane, once upon a time? Yeah, once upon a time. He's a capper, and he, he tweeted out something about trying to follow along with what was going on in the SWAC. And I thought it, nobody's playing the SWAC conference games in terms of wagering around right. here. But he must have been or something like that because he couldn't keep up with the start times all changed. I just wondered so, what was so going on. you don't know. There was no answer? No. The only thing I can think of is, uh, was there an issue, like, with the bus and to getting to the, or the maybe venue? Or the, the, the floor. Like, I thought, like, a couple of games changed start times. So it was more than just the Oral Roberts-New Mexico game. Well, I just happened to notice why there weren't more scores. Because the last game, the, one of the things I always want to look at on national championship nights is who's conceding. And a lot of times it's college basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? well, I, when you said, hey, even, I was even, looking at college basketball. Even though like, it was supposed to be Big basketball. Monday. Even though it was supposed, it's supposed to be Big Monday, right? Right. 
But you're just not doing that. You just go back to Super Tuesday or whatever it is. But I just wanted to know if you – Yeah, if you Max Aismas is – he's the real deal. Yeah. Hey, you're talking about bucket getters. Yeah. He's yeah. somebody that's like, hey, I'll I'll put the team on my back. Good good on him for coming back too. I wonder what that deal looked like. How long has he been there? I don't know. A while. And how – because has, they made their run, what, two years ago? Was he a, like a sophomore? sophomore? And how has nobody – like ponied mentioned up. him, yeah, it, po- just like ponied up. Isn't that what folks try to do to the the, the group of college basketball that isn't in that seven? You try to get everybody else's guys. Max Aismas, bucket getter, <laughs> true bucket getter. We'll talk to Matt Brown next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Dejon Edwards in the backfield. Play fake. Stett sets up to throw. Pressure coming on. Wide open. McConkey reaches up high. Touchdown. Touchdown, McConkey. Nobody near him. Boy, just an out and up there by McConkey and not a horn frog in sight. Back with you on Hale Varsity Radio. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage, powered by Currency. It's Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and on the phone, we've got Matt Brown. He is the senior editor of NCAA Football for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at MattBrownCFB. Matt, good morning. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Matt, good morning. How you been? Happy New Year. All right. A little sad season is over and that it ended in such awful fashion. I'm glad at least we got some good semifinals out of it. Yeah, you know what? Stay there, though, because all season long, this was the best team in college football, a.k.a. Georgia. I'm not really sure what Kirby Smart was saying before the game about being doubted. I don't really think anybody, not at least on our panel up here, DB and I had Georgia going all the way from the very beginning. But what did this win actually reveal for, for Georgia? Oh, I mean, it's we're we're in on the verge of dynasty territory now. I mean, you got the first repeat national champion since Alabama in 2011-2012, and they chance to be the first three-peat in the poll era. I mean, the last team to three-peat was Minnesota in 1934, 35, and 36. And the 36 was the first year of the AP poll. So nobody's done this, and Georgia's presumably going to uh, open at number one next year, I, I would think. They're already number one in a lot of the early rankings. And uh, I don't think there's going to be... Kirby Smart's going to have to work a lot harder to try to drum up the disrespect uh, narrative because I don't think anybody's going to be disrespecting Georgia for a while. So, Matt, how about the irony of, you know, Pollock, the Georgia guy, sitting next to Saban, the Bama guy, and they're having honest conversations and they're going back and forth. And, I mean, Nick's had to, or Coach Saban's had to... Um, come to some realizations of some things of his program. Do you, is is it simply enough when you look at the landscape, whether it's Michigan or Bama or Ohio State, is being motivated or an, enough, or is there a way to work smarter to play quicker catch-up? I mean, motivation is such a key tool for the teams as they try to like sustain – Dynasties. I mean, that, that's kind of the most impressive thing about what Nick Saban's done at Alabama is not only you know winning multiple national championships, but then 
constantly reinventing himself and hiring new staffs and dealing with that coaching turnover and dealing with NFL departures. And, you know, Kirby Smart's already done it once, and they've reinvented that offense under Todd Monken. And they've, you know, last year, how many draft picks did they lose from that defense? And to come back and to win a national championship game 65-7, to to go 15-0, and to... You know, remember they started the season winning forty six to or forty nine to three against Oregon, which finished in the top fifteen. Uh, you know, the the battle is always against complacency, and Georgia certainly <laughs> showed no signs of lack of motivation going into twenty twenty two. It's you know, how do you sustain that? How do you keep trying to invent motivation? Uh, obviously, Georgia has as much talent or more than anybody, but it's you know, staying fresh on the coaching staff. It's replenishing with all the NFL departures that are surely going to come again. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, the year prior and now even, like you said, you know, Georgia will lose some stars, but we saw the replacements come in during the fourth and, you know, frankly, they look just as good. Uh, What does this say about Georgia's ability to recruit and maybe what can teams around the league learn from what they do? Oh, well, as far as learn, that that is because, I mean, we just continue to see this breakaway of the top few teams in terms of talent, like Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, the way they recruit, and just the portion of top 100 recruits they get. But then again, you look at Georgia, and it's also player development. When you have a walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett, uh, you know, and you have uh, Ladd McConkey wasn't exactly a superstar recruit either, and, you know, it's a mix of player development and superstar talent and coaching creativity. And I guess if you look at two of those three things, Texas A&M doesn't have it, for example, as a competitor who just signed the number one recruiting class last year, but has not developed at the same rate, has not been creative enough on offense and has fallen behind. So Georgia kind of is the total package where you, yes, to compete for national championships or to win national championships, you generally have to sign, top five, top ten classes, but we've seen that not pan out for Texas repeatedly or Texas A&M or USC. Georgia is kind of the total package of Kirby Smart bringing over the best of what he learned from Nick Saban and developing a ridiculous recruiting machine, but also developing talent and just the way that they take advantage of that talent and spread the ball around and have depth, uh, it's kind of taking that to a new level, and it's it's hard to keep up, that's for sure. Matt, December has the potential to be a busy month. We're over here trying to problem solve. And uh, with playoff expansion, the portal, early signing period, if we made you czar for a day, would (laughs) would one go? Would you move them? I just – something's going to have to give in that month of December. Selfishly, I hate the December signing period and recruiting. (laughs) I liked when it was, you know, February was the big deal and – you had some time to deal with it, and I, I do think – I understand why the early signing period was created. I understand why some say that there should be a signing period before the season. Uh, but there are a lot of landmines with dealing with coaching changes and the transfer portal at the same time as signing, and now you're going to have a 12-team playoff. And personally, I would like to see the <laughs> them go back to the old signing period in February and create some time for t- coaching changes and – you know, the problem with the early signing period is that it's accelerating the timeline for coaching changes. So coaches are getting fired earlier and earlier. And it's just 
created a kind of a giant mess for a couple months. So I do feel like something has to give at some point because December is just overwhelming for everybody. And it's only going to get more so with when you add multiple rounds of playoff games in there. Matt, TCU proved that you don't need to have a team full of all-stars to make a run. Uh, with the college football playoff expanding in the near future, how does seeing a team like that maybe reassure the skeptics that aren't a huge fan of the expansion? It's interesting because I don't know which way it's going to go. Because on one hand, you think one of the reasons for expansion is that it gives more teams a chance and thus maybe that can break up kind of the recruiting monopoly or however you term it in that more teams are going to have a chance and maybe that'll spread the talent around. The transfer portal can help spread the talent around too because guys are going to be looking for opportunities and more teams might be appealing and that more teams can make the playoffs. So in that respect, I, I think there is hope for more parity and TCU is kind of a small step toward that. On the other hand, if you add another round of playoffs or two rounds of playoffs, it also gets harder for a team like TCU to make a run all the way to the championship. I mean, I think Cinderella runs are certainly harder in football than, than basketball. And, you know, it was one thing for a team to have a dream season, make the BCS title game and win one game against a team with top tier talent. Another thing to do it twice, as we saw this year, TCU gets to the playoffs pulls off an upset against a Michigan team that did not play its best game and then runs into an absolute juggernaut in Georgia that just has more talent, more depth. But now going to 12 teams, a team like TCU is going to have to you know, win extra games and, and to survive a bigger gauntlet. So I have hope for more parity, but also, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if, if, if anybody can survive the grind or if just the top teams mm-hmm. rise to the top because then you fear that an Alabama that was underperformed this year could suddenly start, you know, playing at the peak of its talent and go on a run in the, in the playoffs. So uh, I, I think you could argue both ways, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, would you have liked to have seen a little more conference uniformity before the expansion? Personally, yeah. I I, I wish that everybody would play eight conference games, everybody would play nine conference games. I and one, on one hand, I, I do like the messiness of college football as somebody who's nostalgic for the messiness of the past sometimes. But um, I don't know. I, I think it makes sense to try to even the playing field a little bit, especially as we have automatic bids for conference champions and stuff like that. It just it, it the eight versus nine argument and, and how schedules are rotated. I I understand giving some conferences flexibility, but. Yeah, I think I would like to see some uniformity. Matt, you're the best man. We appreciate your time this morning. Have a great day. You got it. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Matt. That's Matt Brown, senior editor of NCAA Football for The Athletic. You can toss him a follow on Twitter again, at Matt Brown College Football CFB. Before we go to break, I want to give you a quick uh, nugget about Dingman's Collision Center. They've been in the business for over 25 years in Omaha. They're family-owned and family-run local business. Invest in the latest technology to stay up-to-date with the ever-evolving technology of your vehicles. They work on all makes and models from Fords to Teslas. Four locations throughout the metro area, along with a standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. First place, Best of Omaha for 18 years running. Can you believe that, DB? I can believe it. Joel Lorenzi's next.
Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, back with you to wind down the show at Tail Varsity Radio. Coffee and cream in the morning alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We're powered by Currency, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. We'll speak to Joel Lorenzi, hopefully, in a few moments. He's the Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Self-professed, he's not a morning guy. He isn't. He is not a morning <laughs> guy, and uh, I- I'm pretty sure, I'm fairly certain. We have him. That we could ask him when he went to bed, and I'm going to say it's after yeah, but 12.30. The, the latest game was the Sacramento Kings. He probably wasn't watching that. There was only one uh, game in the nights. Uh, hey, Joel. <laughs> Joel, is that right? Don't start, man. Come on. I already know my process. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. I, I, was, I was cursed with the ability to You were cursed with what? sit on a plane. And fall asleep as soon as I sit down on the plane. Got so, it. That stuff adds up over the weekend, man, and and your schedule by the end of the weekend is, is going. So I'm, I must have fallen asleep like three different times, and none of them were decent times. I don't understand <laughs> how pe- I, and and God bless you folks that can do it. I have a hard enough time in my own bed. I don't understand how you folks can sleep in public. In public, what? Yeah, like on the yeah, plane, well, man. It's like, well, you know, I'm from Chicago, so I go to sleep clutching my stuff. Got my my phone grip tight. I, I I go to sleep. Hey, I'm still on ten. Hey, hey, I'm from St. Louis. I've clutched up before too. <laughs> oh, I like that about you. <laughs> I ain't mad at that, man. <laughs> oh shoot! All right, so talk to me. This, this environment. I was, I was telling Andrew watching that on television. The fans tugging on jerseys and high fiving over loose balls, and I mean that place was electric from the jump. Could you tell that UConn felt like that one was must win? Um. Yes. I, I, if if it was based on the the fans, I mean. Yes, for sure. Um, I I think that's probably the most electric atmosphere I've been a part of. I don't know. I think Texas was pretty cool too. I like what Texas had going on, but um, UConn just um, the rivalry haven't had lost five or um, you know having already lost two games straight. Um, that that building and that team. I mean they they saved it for post game to talk about how they were, how much. That game, not just because they wanted to you know, get in the win column, because they wanted to keep trading. And man, you can see it all the way down to the end. I mean, dudes were like leaning over the the section of the beers in their hand. Um, they were <laughs> wild, man. I mean, there wasn't there was a field. We're speaking with Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Toss him a follow on Twitter at JX Lorenzi, Joel. We were, I was talking to DB about this yesterday, and uh, something that really stands out to me, and, and it's striking, is the fact that I don't think Creighton can play productive enough basketball against top-ranked opponents like UConn, like a Xavier coming up, 
unless all five of their starters are on the floor. It seemed like to be an issue when Kalk and Nemhard left the floor that that's when UConn really started making their run. Um, do you see that as an issue too, knowing that, hey, and, unless we have our top five guys out there, I, I don't really know what to expect from Creighton over the next eight, ten minutes. Yeah, your eyes aren't really fooling. Uh, I think, you know, looking back on the comments made in the summer and perhaps some of this, you know, the, the team it still has room to grow. But I think for sure we can, we can say when, when Matt called his team his deepest team ever, there was some exaggeration there. Well, I don't even think there was some exaggeration there. I genuinely think they believe that and what they think from their bench, at least for short to them, has been flabbergasted. I mean, he's had a lot of stock in Therese Mitchell, and it hasn't panned out to big. And Francisco Farabello was a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Um, he's had very, very rocky season on that front. Um, and so you, you look at the, the reserves in the summer, and they look nothing like like what was supposed to be the deep team Mac has had, and so that uh, that hurts, man. I mean, I I look back at the the starters play. You're looking at 38, 36, 34. I mean, you're running you're like this Tom Thibodeau territory, and it's not really it's not intentional, but but it has to happen um, because those guys come in, and um, it's like you're you're losing those minutes. Like I watched Sir Mitchell come in and. The guy I've been, you know, trying to play uh, devil's advocate with the fans before and beat the person. And uh, he comes in and he did knock down a three, but then helps too hard. And I think Newton bent the three in his face um, to close the half. And that gave that gave you kind of up. Joel, when you're watching Creighton play, and, and and let's assume they're let's they're not shooting it well. They don't they're not knocking it down from behind the arc. The natural inkling is to play through Kalk. I understand that, but how do you think a guy like Art fits along with that? If that's the way that Creighton wants to play, if they're not making shots, because that seems where it gets a little disjointed. Um. I think I, I like the way they've used Art in, in recent games. I like the way Art has, has turned the corner. Uh, I think he had, what, 16 rebounds the other day. Frankly, if Art wasn't where he was in a lot of or a lot of those possessions, they'd probably lose about 15, 20, man. I mean, he had a handful of offensive rebounds um, that were giving them the to, to try to win that game. Now, open shots and Grant, he didn't, I mean, he didn't hit three. But He's, I, I mean, I watched him on constant offense rebound. They couldn't stop him on the glass. And um, that team just couldn't knock down an open shot. Um, so on, on the art, um, I like him as a guy who maybe turns the corner and says, okay, well, I'm going to out-rebound the hell out of the other team and um, pose a you know, mismatch threat and maybe fly in for the stuff that Kalkbrenner can't get to. Um, and it, it's been a good look for him. 
Hey, UConn guard Jordan Hawkins called Creighton a top 10 team. This is what you wrote in your article. And, I mean, you do great work at the Omaha World Herald, and that's who we're talking to, Joel Lorenzi. If you want to see his work, go to the Omaha World Herald. Um, and, you know, it, it, it felt genuine is how you put it, and, and I would agree. I mean, people know what Creighton's ceiling is, but how do they start bridging the gap from what they are now to reaching their ceiling? Yeah, perception versus consistent reality. Yeah, and and when I say it felt genuine, you know, a lot of these guys post game up just get the team credit because they they have to right. They're, they're playing a humble role, but even still, like nobody's calling Creighton a top ten team. So um, it felt like some they like he was being real, and um, frankly, most most people who have watched the team, seen the stuff they played and how they've lost some of their games know that they can be a, a top 15 team again. Um, it's just not going to happen soon, I think. Uh, so to, to bridge that gap, uh, obviously they got to hit open shots. The, the phenomenon lately has been you know, the shot quality champs. If you go on the shot quality Twitter page, uh, they're going to win the shot quality championship. I'll tell you that. But uh, will it translate to games? Is, is what people are, are wondering because you guys, um, they they just they're getting the open looks, man. They get the open looks with with the best of them and teams in the country. The numbers are there to tell you that. Um, for some reason, in the big game, they haven't knocked down shots outside of Arkansas. I mean, that was Thanksgiving, uh, so uh, it, it's been a while. And frankly, it just it takes more shot making poise, I think, um, which. Probably comes. I mean, basketball is basketball. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you that like a, a broken record over and over. And so I, I agree with most of it. But you do, you do need that stuff to fall on your side. And I think you can't control outside of that. Uh, like you know, the way you respond to ball pressure. I, I didn't, I didn't think the way they respond to the ball pressure the other day was um, necessarily ill. You know, the way you use second chances, like the ones. Kaluma gave you just little stuff like that. Um, it adds up, man. Like, even like I was talking about Chris Mitchell helping to guard that one possession. That stuff that you you know chalk up like whatever the course of the game happens. That stuff adds up, and so when you shoot two for sixteen from three, you wish you get those possessions back. So I think they, they got to uh, hone in on that stuff, the smaller stuff that they control. So the last 60 seconds here, Joel, is it as simple as it's not? How do they neutralize Fremantle and boom, right? Because that seems to be how Xavier goes. They got off against Nova, and it's their version of Nimhart and Kalk. Like, what do you see? Yeah. Uh, with boom, he's just a crafty oh, man. veteran. Yeah. <laughs> I make it. This is a guy really, really uh, – I think excelled as a point guard more than most people thought he would. So the challenge, the, it's a tall task, um, but you got to just depend on Trey Alexander. Trey Alexander, a lot of times he he's done well in these assignments. He caught the short end of the stick because um, the perimeter defense around is it's pretty lacking. And so when 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 it's not him on the floor, it's not somebody in the team has multiple options. But I think, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, 
I don't know. You just gotta hope and trust that he can, you know, he booms out to maybe ten points. Mm. Yeah. Joel, we appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Joel. Hey, and if you want to hear more from the show, head over to your favorite podcast app. We'll go to Morning Dump next. But for Coffee and Cream, we'll see you tomorrow. Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Coming up on Monday's show, sports editor and columnist for the Omaha World-Herald and Husker Extra, Sam McEwen, talking all the latest Husker news. From SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell will catch us up on the latest basketball tournament picture and anything else that pops up over the weekend. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning.